Hello everybody, it's Rob Scott here from UC Today and today I am joined by Ross Williams, Chief Operating Officer from Versailles. Welcome, Ross. Thanks very much for having me, Rob. No, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. And thanks for getting up so early. So I know you're, well, actually I'm, yeah, you're up, you're up early, I'm up late, but uh, I know you're in New Zealand right now and I'm in the UK, so um, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But uh, today we're going to delve into the the world of service management and look at how Versailles are using AI to revolutionize the, the industry and, and, and the solutions that you offer. So um, thanks for joining me. Ross, can we start by, you know, a little bio, tell us a little bit about where you've come from and, and also what Versailles do. Okay. Um, well, I've been around the, personally, I've been around the, the UC uh, environment uh, right since the beginning. So, um, my daughter actually refers to me as the UCOG, so the original gangster, going back quite a, long, quite a number of years. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's my background. And I guess um, uh, through um, various businesses, so I you know, obviously started out um, from school as, a, as an engineer and uh, worked through my career and got the opportunity uh, with some partners to form a, a business partner in 1999, which we did do. Uh, our business partners, the the um, probably the largest and most successful in the Australasian marketplace today, still trading. Uh, we've had a couple of spin-offs over the years. So uh, one of our spin-offs actually created an application called Contact Center Express, which was purchased by um, Avaya in 2009. Uh, they took the the code, but not the people. Um, so once we uh, completed that transaction. Uh, we got together and, and looked at what to do next and what challenges were facing uh, people in the use environment and uh, opportunity to create service management. And that was really based around the challenges our business partner was having. Uh, and also the convergence was really driving it. So um, what was voice and, and a separate discipline run by telecom teams uh, was very rapidly becoming a IT discipline. Uh, the applications the manufacturers were producing ran on industry standard servers. Uh, we're running on shared networks with uh, that weren't real time. They're no longer TDM. They were IP networks, and that created support challenges for um, business partners and customers alike. So what we saw the need to do there was to create a service management application that really took IT best practice. It's been around since the 60s, really, uh, to take that IT best practice and apply it to the world of unified comms. And there's a real gap in the marketplace that simply wasn't being done by anyone. We also took, when we formed that business, so their business is called Versailles, and the, the service that we offer is called Versailles Service Management. We also took the opportunity at that point to um, host that application in Azure and build a, pure, a truly cloud application from, from the ground up. <clears throat> so what we've done is not an enterprise application. Uh, it is application that's born in the cloud and made for the cloud and in fact that's opened up this huge opportunity for us in terms of uh, big data analytics uh, machine learning um, and AI and ultimately AI and it makes us very different from everyone else that's in, the, in this market space. That's great Ross and, and for the folks watching or listening to this uh, session today you know, can we just give us a, a, a real whistle-stop tour of service management and the the main features and benefits that organizations uh, can, can enjoy if they, if they were to look at a solution like this. Okay, so um, 
service management, we, we went with a, a standard called um, ITIL, which actually originates out of the UK, but it's got a huge amount of traction around the world. And that's used by IT teams to manage their, env their environment. So there's things like configuration management, which is understanding everything that's in your environment as a starting point. Um, and, that go, and that rolls into capacity management. So all of those assets, or in ITIL terms, they're known as configuration items, all of those assets that we discover, um, they've all got limitations in terms of their um, capability to handle traffic or, or whatever their role is. So that's where capacity management comes in and we measure all of the, uh, the capacities and consumption metrics around those configuration items. And then we also roll into availability management, which is in an ITIL world, it's not a matter of up or down. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not a matter of uh, whether an interface is up or down. It's more about what is the customer experience. So ITIL, uh, funnily enough, being a you know quite a mature standard, was was onto the whole customer experience uh, point of view and user experience point of view well before uh, it's become fashionable, really. So ITIL drives uh, the quality of your services, your IT services you're providing puts that, the assessment of that quality in the hands of your end users. So things like, in a, in a UC environment, uh, things like the quality of experience. So inbound caller to a contact center, did they get the, the music and the treatments and, and um, the queue position that they were meant to get? Did they get the, to the next available agent based on uh, what, the, what the contact center management intended? Um, you know, as well as overlaying on that, the, the voice quality experience. So, um, you know, did music play? Was it was it clear when the when the session was ultimately connected to an agent? Could they both hear each other and, and transact correctly? So, ITIL really does lend itself to UC very very well. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks for that. And so let's jump on to the the real kind of uh, focus of this session today, and that's around AI. And you. you when we first spoke, you said 2020 will see the emergence of virtual engineers. And I found that fascinating, that just that one statement coming from an engineer. I, I have a similar background. I was engineering phone systems back 20 years ago. Um, so I'm really interested to know how, where we're going with this. And I'm sure a lot of the viewers or listeners are equally as interested. So tell me about what's happening this year and why you believe uh, 2020 will be the year for the virtual engineer. Right. Um, well, we're very well positioned to, um, as I said, with, you know, architecturally being in the cloud and, and running a, a DevOps organisation. So every two weeks there is a, a sprint cycle for us uh, and a new version of application is published. And when that, when that goes live, it goes live for every user in the world. So we have thousands of sites under, under management, millions of endpoints, and, and we, in fact, look at billions of, of individual pieces of data every month pour into our, into our cloud. Uh, computing system. So we're perfectly positioned uh, with, with AI, machine learning, um, to, to proceed with that. And uh, we've been doing that for a number of years now. Um, and we've got some, you know, some live um, demonstrations I can run for you, for you in a little bit. But the challenge for our organisation really has been, um, one of them has been getting people to understand what AI is and, and uh, what it can do for you. Um, the thing is with the, the machine learning side, I mean, that's an ongoing thing where, where our analytics capability gets better and better, um, even without us doing anything. So our, our job really is to, is to expose that more and more uh, to our customers and our, and our business partners so that they can consume that. 
And what we discovered is, is even though we have a, a high degree of um, AI um, capability right now, um, people aren't even sort of realising that, that it's there to help. And um, this year, we're really planning to really expose that and, and bring forward the, I guess, the human side of, of, of that. You're leveraging machine learning capabilities within the kind of realms of AI, is that correct? Right. And we've got, I, 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 we've got all this data, haven't we? And if you, I'm picturing this, you've got a cloud, you're managing you know, billions of minutes of calls and all these endpoints. If you plug machine learning into that, you can start really you know, pulling out some insights from that data. Um, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example. Right. So, so we pick up around about... Uh, it's about 12 billion individual pieces of data um, per month right now. And that number grows at three to 4% per month. So that's the rate of, of new customers coming on board and existing customers expanding and so forth. So the growth rate of the company is actually pretty, it's, it's huge, it's 40% 40 plus. And, and we've been growing like that for about five years now. Um, so you did right, we get a huge amount of information. And when you, when you think of it in idle terms, so, for example, we look at a interaction with a or the customer, an inbound call to a contact centre. Uh, when you overlay on top of that, the sort of the cradle to grave visibility we get of that. So we understand as that customer goes through that experience, the technical resources that are being used in the background. So each one of those technical resources that are that are touched because of our ITIL approach, we understand the configuration of each one of those technical resources that goes, you know, as the as the customer journey happens. So when you look at the overall uh, resulting customer experience and you understand all of the configurations and all of the bandwidth and all of the resource consumption behind there, uh, and this is where the machine learning comes in to pick up on upon the patterns, and you, and you look at that across, we're roughly doing 600 million calls per month at the moment, when you look at that across that massive estate, you can come back to your um, end user customers, you can come back to your business partners and say, um, when this particular poor experience happened, it is because of this individual component and it's because of these settings on this individual component that you've got a problem. So we have that capability today. It's, it's there, it's in our, it's in our um, cloud computing service and it's kind of consumed through your normal um, screen, your normal keyboard, uh, you know, customers like to have the drill down capability on dashboards, but in fact, you know, and, and we do do that, of course, because we respond quite well to, to market demand. But the real problem is actually the UI. So if you can humanize that UI and, and make it much more like a, a human, it, it's much easier for people to consume. And it's quite, it's quite stunning what the difference is. So for example, I'll, I'll, I'll show you what we've got here, which is a, it's an Amazon bot. Um, third generation, and we can, we've skinned that with, with a buyer branding because we give these things away. It's, you know, what we do at the trade show and, and as incentives to, um, to give us NPS scores and all that sort of stuff uh, to respond to those surveys, so we give them away. I'll just we, give you a little example. Need, <laughs> we might need to be careful when you say hello Alexa because I've got one right in front of me as well. <laughs> so we, get, we might get two Alexas talking, but let's see how we go. <laughs> let's see how we go. So Alexa. Run service management. There is no incoming call. Welcome uh, to service management. <laughs> What's the status of my system health? 
Your ACM status is critical. Four of four port networks are okay. 11 of 21 media gateways are down. The active server has no major alarms. Processors are okay. Server hardware is okay. What's my trunk utilization? 34 of 539 trunks are in use. How is my system health? You are running 14 servers with an average uptime of 99.96% over the last 30 days. Your longest outage was less than five minutes and your average response time is one millisecond. How was my voice quality yesterday? Yesterday, I processed 27,595 streams. Less than 0.1% of all streams had an MOS below 3.6. Peak traffic occurred at 3.08 a.m. with 2,992 concurrent streams. What is the cause of my poor voice quality? The majority of poor voice quality occurred where DSCP was stripped, where traffic was routed through IPNR0 or through Layer 3 device 10.60.138.1. So that, that last one was, um, I mean, that, that's a great example where, um, you know, there's a very common uh, issue is poor voice quality on, you know, when you're, when you're running uh, audio across IP networks. So it's a, a great example of what automation and AI machine learning does for you, because people can spend, even with a, even with a great, um, capability within the IT team. There is so much data to analyze and for people to do that manually. What we've simply done there with our um, machine learning and AI capability is do what engineers do and we compare good scenarios with bad scenarios within, within our customer. So you can see right there, that can take engineers literally weeks to arrive at that, at that information. So DSCP, which is the DivServ header, which prioritizes voice traffic, it's being stripped by a router and it even gave us the IP address of that router. And it's simply done by analyzing every single stream. So those you know, hundreds of millions of streams that we, we see now uh, coming into us from our uh, um, customer base, looking at all of the resources that are involved in those, those streams and that interaction, understanding the configuration of those, working out exactly what's wrong and then, and then uh, ultimately pointing the finger. That's very, that. very impressive. It was, it was really impressive. I mean, there was nothing wrong with my, uh, my system at this end. Uh, I'll, I'll just add uh, my Alexa, <laughs> just for the record, <laughs> jumped in there and said there was no call. Uh, but your, your demo was absolutely perfect. And I, I'm really impressed with that. So not only is it you know, coming through a, a voice assistant or like a, an Amazon Echo, but yeah. it's actually making sense. It, and you could have that over your morning coffee as an IT guy, couldn't you, in, in, the, uh, in the help desk, for example, or wherever you need it, it, it's, it that data is available and it, it could potentially come out of a voice assistant or on a screen, I take it, so. Yes, um, yeah, so that, that um, you know, it's very, it demonstrates very well. And as I say, as soon as you put this into human terms with a human type interaction, it's much easier to consume. So that information is available today to all of our customers. Um, it's it's yeah, it, it's um, very simple. It's very simple. So we created this Alexa um, skill and all it does is read dashboard information. So it's there. That's, that's there. But it makes it very, very uh, much easier to, to um, interact with and to understand. And uh, the, the extension to this, and this is what we're working on now, is, is we also have, of course, the automation side. 
and a lot of people kind of confuse AI with automation. Um, automation scripting has been around for decades. Every, everyone's got that. Yeah. But if we, if we now overlay on top of that the ability to fix that problem. So again, going back to our ITIL capability, and this is all uh, change management is baked into the size service management. Where we're taking this is the next step, as we say to Alexa, um, you know, buy this UI, we'll fix the problem. So normal change management in a normal enterprise, as you assemble all of the information, you might have a you know, manufacturer, might have a, a correction notice or whatever. You assemble all that information and you submit it for a change request. So that capability is all already there and already driven. There's a framework within VSM to do that, for, for humans to do that. But um, yeah, we've got the capability to, to allow you know, the AI engine to do that. This is what we're working on right now. So the AI engine fills out the change request. Of course, that goes to a change approval board where they tick the boxes and look at the various impacts and everything. And um, you know, funnily enough, a, a, you know, a change window is opened up and normally the change window, particularly when, when humans are involved, the change windows are like one or two in the morning to make a change. That's, that's only done at one or two in the morning because we want to minimise the impact on on our traffic and on our external customers and internal customers. But you take, you know, take that time window away and say, and you can do this with, with um, automation and, and AI, of course, is do this change when there is going to be no impact. So that might be in the middle of the day. You know, you may, you may want to, um, you know, force that to be in the middle of the night, you know, just like humans. But the reality is that the outcome you want is you don't, you don't want to have any impact on, on your existing traffic. So you can say, well, you know, schedule this change um, for a time when it's going to be no impact. Um, and of course, when you're, when you're dealing with, a, with an AI engine, of course, process is always going to be followed as well, which is what humans don't necessarily do. So the AI engine will then go through, make the change, and then it will make an assessment of the effects of that change, just like you should under, under due process. Did that change work? Um, yes or no? Or did it even have detrimental effects? And if it's been detrimental, you need to immediately roll back. But either way, if it's a, if it's a, a failed change and roll back, or if it's a successful change and move forward, you're going to go back to the cab the change approval board and say, yes, we've completed that change and this is the effects that it had and we've now got it under observation for the next week or so. So all of that can be can be automated. So you and I both know what it's like to get up at two and three in the morning and do things in the in the in the dead of night. Um, you know, automation can take that that part of it, uh, that part of the role away from us. But we still need humans to make decisions on, on business impact and you know and, and take the the, the high level um, decisions away from the from the AI side. I was going to say that there's always that elephant in the room, isn't there? Where I've got to ask the question: Is it going to replace engineers? You know, the, the human engineers, and and you've already no. answered the question, so it isn't. It's really no. It's, it's it's going to make engineers better. Of course, you know, you, you can you can start looking at, at, at rather than the granular stuff and the actual doing, uh, getting away from that and, and looking at the, the true impacts and you know. Myself included, as an engineer, there's nothing you like better than to get your head above water, to sort of surface and be able to take a breath and look around and go, now really, what should I be doing to be proactive and, and, and really improve things around here, rather than being stuck in the weeds all the time. And that's really what, what AO does for you. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed, Russ. You know, it's a fantastic application of, of machine learning technology to solve a real problem, you know, that's in these organisations that, engineers making them more efficient more productive and self-healing and dealing with those issues when 
when engineers are asleep. I think it's uh, it's fantastic. Really, really yeah. cool. Really cool. So what's uh, just final? Just, I think we should probably round this up now. But in terms of the future for for Sci, this isn't a product. It's baked into the the core platform, and and you mentioned right at the start that lots of development cycles happening at Versai. But what what is anything coming up this year that we should look out for? Well, we're actually um, again, it's about you know, um, exposing our our capabilities and and getting the uptake from from customers, and we are. Uh, right now, looking at how we take this to market, and one of the concepts that that's come forward is uh, virtual engineer can be made available commercially, just like a, a flesh and blood engineer. So maybe over the top of everything we do now, um, if we get the the user interface really smooth, uh, we we may go forward and say, well, if you want to hire a virtual engineer off us, you you engage on sort of the same basis as you would uh, with a person. So sort of a, an annual salary, which would be of course, massively reduced over a human, uh, and and go to market that way. So you know, uh, humanise the entire thing, and in, in, including the human, uh, including the um, commercial engagement. So those those decisions are still um, still up for grabs at the moment. We're working out how to do this, but our main objective is is driving that uptake and um, you know uh, making it easier and easier to use, and, and increasing the capability of that of that virtual engineer. Superb, and if. Anyone watching or listening would like to find out more, I take it they can visit your website, versai.com, and get in touch that way. Ross, thank you very much for uh, jumping on the call today. I know it's uh, very, very early where you are, and it's getting late where I am. So I'm going to wave you goodbye, but thank you very much, and I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. Uh, it's great to talk to you, Ross.